Blog Talk Radio. of Rungren Radio. Tonight we have Bourgeois Tag, both of them. Of course, there were more people in the band, but you know who I'm talking about, Brent and Larry. We've had them on before individually. We're going to have them on together tonight, and it will be a lot of fun. We've got lots of announcements, of course, as well. Cruiser Mail, I am sweating. It's hot. The weather is miserable in Alabama. How is it in Texas? Uh, it's pretty much the same. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of how it was a few days in Hawaii during Toddstock, but somehow it just doesn't feel as it did in Toddstock. <laughs> no, it's not quite as bad over there for the humidity, et cetera. But uh, our California buddies, Larry and Brent, they're probably having perfect weather. Yeah. So I'm a bit jealous of our guests tonight. I hate it for them. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of the West Coast. Yeah. Our man, Todd Rundgren, has been over there, and I've heard really good reviews from the concerts in San Francisco. There was one in L.A. at the Nokia that was real popular, from what I hear, and even Vegas. Vegas went well, too, I hear. Huh? So, cool stuff. That's right. Yeah, there were some pretty good reviews uh, posted up on the TR Connection, and one guy even sent in some photos from, I think they were the Las Vegas show. They looked really good. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I heard good things about that casino. Had a couple phone calls. People tell me it was fun and really nice. I've heard over and over again this Nokia venue, super nice, good crowds. Todd was um, in good spirits, singing very well. The band was tight, all the good stuff that you want to hear. People got their money's worth, sounds like. Right. Uh, I was I was really hoping to make one of those shows. I know I kept fighting it. I was like, no, I'm not going to go. Yeah, I want to go. No, I'm not going to go. Yeah, I want to go. And then I got, like, the worst haircut in history, and that really, that made all the decisions for me. Here we go, talking about hair on the show. Lord have mercy. Well, you know, you gave me half of a microphone here. That's true, that's true. Mm -hmm. All right, so the ladies will enjoy those conversations. I'm sure maybe Amy Reynolds can hook you up in Akron so that you won't have a bad hair day. Yeah, really, my own (laughs) private hairdresser. Well, listen, we need to talk about where Todd is going to be headed uh, in about a week. All right. All right. He's taking a few days off, and then he's going to start up again on the 28th in Canada, up in Toronto, and the 30th in Norfolk, Connecticut, July 1st in Buffalo, July 3rd in Detroit, and July 4th in Naperville, Illinois. And then, Doug, where does he go after that? Hmm. Well... We don't know for sure because there could be some things in between then and September, but we do know what's booked, and that is Akron, Ohio, September 6th. A Wizard of True Star for the first time ever performed live at the Akron Civic Theater. Oh. Gotta love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, speaking of, it is almost sold out. I mean, it practically is. We have less than 200 seats left. They're only available on Ticketmaster. All the ones we kept for ourselves on our site, the com site, gone. Been gone for about a week now, I think, isn't it? Uh, a 
few days. Yeah, several days. That's just on on our site, but on the Ticketmaster, there's a few. Ticketmaster has a few, less than 200. You better get them while the getting's good. We're selling several every day, and it's going to sell out. And you're going to be left out if you're thinking about going. <laughs> That's not very smart now, is it? No. So I don't know if Todd's got anything booked. I haven't heard of anything for... Um, you know, August and that type of deal. So hopefully they'll just be getting ready for this bad boy. Right. Give them a little vacation, get that voice ready. Yeah. Get the band all practiced up. Yeah. Oh, you know what we what we missed? What? Uh, yesterday was a very special day. Mm. It was Todd's birthday. And yeah, Todd and happy birthday, Mr. Todd. Yeah, and it was Todd and Michelle's uh, wedding anniversary. So happy belated to both of you. Yes, happy birthday to Todd and Michelle Rungren. Yay! Wow, I didn't know we had a live audience. Oh, yeah, of course. We're doing a live show tonight. Live remote <laughs> broadcast. <laughs> or is it bumper room? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. So we got this Akron gig. So a couple things we need to talk about on that is the party on Saturday night. We have a couple new additions if you haven't seen, if you're not friends with us on Facebook and all the usual suspects, all those places. We've got, number one, our friend Mary Adams, MJ as she is known, a Todd Stalker and a listener to our show, is going to do a web stream from the party the night before the gig so that the folks who cannot make it for whatever reason will be able to see their Todd friends partying, talking to them maybe. I'm not sure how she's going to set it up but she has a good plan. Right. This is going to be on Saturday, September 5th. And this I, I don't is know not the concert. Either. I, are we just going to walk past the camera and make goofy faces? or? <laughs> uh, we'll just have to see. MJ has a plan. It's her job, not yep. ours. That's her job. She's okay. got it figured out, I'm sure. It's going to be cool. So they'll, they'll have all kind of things. I think there's some other plans. You know, people want to do some camcorder action, all that good stuff. But uh, that'll, we'll figure all that out as we get closer. Another thing we have is our buddy Hillage, Jim Schneider, has a lot of collectibles. He collects Todd stuff, and every now and then he'll get dupes. And he's going to unload some of his duplicates for what he paid for them, some rare stuff, some cool stuff, some fun stuff, and we're going to, uh, have that available at the party. So he'll be setting up a table. If anybody else would like to do the same thing, or even if you just want to show stuff off without giving us any responsibility for it if it gets lost, uh, you're welcome to do that. But if you wanted to sell some Todd stuff that you have extras of, feel free to do it. We got a f- we're got we free country. It's a free party, and it's a free do-what-you-want kind of thing, almost. It's a free-for-all, to quote mm-hmm. Todd, Ted Nugent. I almost said Todd Nugent. <laughs> <laughs> It's been one of those days. It's the heat. Wow. Uh, yeah. mm. Well, and we're also going to have uh, Dr. Tunes is going to bring tunes, obviously, uh, so everyone can do karaoke if they like. We're going to play a little karaoke game for a, a little while. That's going to be fun. And, oh, he did say that if anyone wants to bring their musical instruments, if, even if their instrument is their voice, they are welcome to plug into his sound system, and we can have a, a good old Todd, you know, old-fashioned jam session. <laughs> so y'all be thinking what you want to perform. That'll be fun. 
<laughs> or funny. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of games, tonight we're going to launch a new segment, if we have time, called The Chat Pack. You will get to see what that's all about with our guest, Bourgeois Tech. That's right. They don't even know this is coming. I guess they, they don't have any idea what's about to hit them. That's right. That's right. All right. One more game to talk about, and then we got one more announcement, and then we will have some fun. The auction that we've talked about, you may have seen it on AWATCH Live. Uh, Todd uh, is going to auction off 20 meet-and-greets sound checks for the first night of Akron gig, September the 6th, the first gig. And that will be, you'll get to go to Soundcheck, you'll get to film it on your camcorder, non-professional. Uh, you'll get to meet Todd. You'll get to film that as well. It does not include a ticket to the show, though, guys. Correct. But it does include an autographed poster, the official poster, if we ever get that done, working on that. Mm-hmm. So you will get all those goodies, and you'll get to fight amongst your Todd friends for who gets to do it. 20 spots. We're going to put that, it looks like, on Ticketmaster.com. They will be doing it. <coughs> okay. So there you have it. So we are getting asked in the chat room because I have done a faux pas. Did, <laughs> did a faux pas? Yeah, I said first gig. Usually when there's a first, that means there's a second, right? Uh, oh, Joe's pretty clever. Ah, <laughs> So, folks, here's the deal. Second gig in Akron, Monday, September the 7th. That's Labor Day in the United States. We have booked the second ever A Wizard, A True Star in its entirety gig with Mr. Todd Rundgren, presented by RundgrenRadio.com. That's right, and uh, but it's going to start. We're going to see if we can start it an hour earlier, like seven o'clock or so, just in case some people want to use that excuse of, "Well, I have to be at work the next day." <laughs> <laughs> Are you being ugly? Uh, no, I told. I just. I just people got... have to make a living. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So if you're able to stay, you'll get to see two gigs. We will be giving a discount code to people who purchase tickets for the first gig. More on that later. Tickets we expect to go on sale, and I will put an asterisk by this. We expect to go on sale Monday morning. Monday morning, that's this upcoming Monday morning, six days from now. Ticketmaster.com and our site, awatchlive.com, will send you to the rungrenradio.tix.com site. At the Ticks.com site, you can pick your seat. At Ticketmaster, you take best available. Ticks.com has a $1.50 convenience fee. Ticketmaster's was six fifty for the first show, probably be the same for the second. And uh, both sites, though, will offer the discount code. You will be getting that most likely via email if you have bought a ticket already. Yeah, if you bought to the first gig already, you will get the email. That's correct. That's correct. So how about that? Can you believe it? We're having a second AWATCH show in Akron, Ohio. Who knew Akron could support two shows? Who knew? We did. Well, <laughs> I still can't believe we got the first one. <laughs> well, you know, yep. stranger things have happened. Yep. Let me just and fill you in on some rumors that I'm hearing. What are you hearing? Let's just say I think that Todd is going to 
go all out on this deal. So all the ideas you think about, like, hmm, I wonder if Todd will dress up. Hmm, I wonder if Todd will have any kind of special stuff going on. I think the answer is yes. You do? I do. Can't guarantee it. Can't tell you what it is. Just tell you I'm hearing rumblings. It's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Or very exciting, I should say. I need to act like I don't know what I'm talking about, too. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it, folks. We are good to go on the second gig. It is official. We will be doing a second gig in Akron, Ohio. And that is for a couple of reasons. One is the other one is about to sell out, less than 200 seats. Two is as fans, which Cruiser Mail and I are as well, when we travel, we prefer to see more than one show. So this is going to make it easy on you if you can stick around. If you can't, we feel bad for you, but at least you get to see one. Right. So it's right. all good. Another reason for you to come on down. And if you're only here, – here's something. If, you, if you're not already planning on going to the first gig, but you're planning on buying tickets to the second one, you, of course, are welcome to come to the party Saturday night if you're going to be in town. Right, Doug? That is correct. That's okay? Sure. I just invited a few hundred people. That's all. <laughs> we want, if you're a Todd fan, you're welcome to come to the party, especially if you're going to the gig. How about that? It's going to be wild, but we do want you to sign up. Shoot us an email, net, so we can have uh, a good realistic number so we can set it up properly. All right, enough of that. All right. Let's, um, uh, one thing that yeah. we skipped over and didn't mean to uh, was Roger Powell has a new record out. And it's going to be out actually in a physical form that you can get. I don't believe that's official yet, but I believe he has said that it, I think it's a company in Canada is going to... Yeah, know, that's what he did. Yeah, sort of new. Do they press a wild download, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, you can get an electronic download now on MindDawn, M-I-N-D-A-W-N, iTunes, Napster, or Rhapsody, and the album is called Blue Note Ridge, and it's really beautiful piano uh, music. There really, really beautiful. All right, speaking of Roger, yeah, we have a, this might jog some of your memories, he was on a show, so this is a little clip from that. That'll be our break, and we'll be right back with Brent and Larry. You're listening to RangerRadio.com. Hi, this is Roger Powell. I'm friends with John Forensic and Greg Hawks, and we're going to rock your world on RangerRadio.com. RangerRadio.com. This is Roger Powell. I need a haircut. Listen to Runs and Radio. <laughs> Man. No, still not good enough. No. Nobody, nobody's listening. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to drive What's down that? listenership. Everybody, let's welcome back former special guest Brent Bourgeois and Larry Tag. Hey guys, we're not so special anymore. 
Hello? Hello, Amy. Me? Yeah. I'm there? You're there? You are there. <laughs> I'm here, but how can I be there? Wait. <laughs> You're everywhere. Uh, hi, guys. How's everybody hey, tonight? Good. Good with me. <laughs> All right, we've been we've been acting kind of goofy during the announcements tonight. Yeah, you sound pretty goofy. All right. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right, guys. Well, let's get on into it. Um, let's talk about this DVD that just came out. Y'all want to give us the backstory on that in case somebody may have missed one of your well, shows last year? Thank you. That could take the whole show. Grant, Brent, take it away. The backstory. No, you go ahead. You no. you go ahead. No, no, I, that, that's that's the first time that's ever happened. Um, <laughs> well, a year ago, and actually, I was on the show a year ago, um, and we were getting ready to have the um, benefit concert for Richard Oates, which was going to feature a reunion of Bourgeois Tag and a group that we had, that Brent and I were in previous to that, called uh, Uncle Rainbow. And we did it. It was last December 3rd, uh, I mean, sorry, June 3rd, um, 2008, that is, uh, at the Crest Theater in Sacramento, California. And uh, we just, it, it was terrific. We, it was like a four-camera shoot there for the for the video, and it took uh, quite a while for the, you know, all the video footage to be edited and put together. And Lyle Workman, our guitarist, did the, and Todd's guitarist at one time. Did the uh, the mixes, and lo and behold, they're they're available now, and they just actually we just we just got them uh, a couple of weeks ago, and Brent, you can tell them more. Well, it's also featuring Charlie Peacock, a great set of uh, songs from him, and his uh, uh, mandolin player Eva Scout, who's absolutely brilliant, and uh, uh, the Seventy Sevens featuring Mike Rowe. And Mark Harmon uh, do a good set. And my son Adrian uh, does a does a short set. Um, so it's like three and a half hours worth of music. Um, it it is a full, definitely a full evening. Uh, but it turned out real real well. We uh, actually Brent and I and a couple of other friends uh, got together and watched it uh, for the first time a couple of weeks ago uh, when it first came out. And it, uh, we were it was a good time. We loved it. Really, I'll tell you what I. <laughs> I loved us. I I spent all of, I guess Wednesday night or Thursday night last week. I I got my copy and sat down with my dinner in front of the television, and I watched it start to finish, and then backed up and watched a few things again. Uh-huh. My dinner with Andre. Really, really, really fun. I loved it. Oh, good. Yeah, and it appeared. Good. Now up, you'd seen you'd seen Uncle Rainbow. Is that am I correct? Yes, I had. Well. Yeah. Uh, 20, 30 years ago. Well, yeah. Well, that's the last time anybody had seen him. Yeah. But it came right back. It all came right back. Uh-huh. And I, I swear I wanted to uh, put on my toe socks and my yeah. shoulder pads or whatever was the style. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the great things was that Richard, who was who needed a new liver at the time, uh, was actually able to make the concert. He flew in from Dallas and sang a couple of songs. It's pretty, pretty uh, close thing. He got, he he came down with a fever that afternoon, and we didn't think he was going to be able to do. It. I mean, he he surprised us really by showing up for the rehearsals, and you know, and he, he was just natural enthusiasm. Enthusiasm took over, and he 
he sounded great in rehearsals, and it was just so, so great being back together with everybody. And so we were excited about him singing uh, on the night of the show, and then he got a fever that afternoon, and then he showed up. Uh, the fever broke late in the afternoon. He came came to the show and sang a couple songs, and it was uh, it was great, man. It was not a dry eye. Right. In the house. So what's the, what's the story? Has he been able to get a new liver yet? Go yes. ahead, Brent. Yes, uh, it was about, what, two months ago, two and a half, maybe three months ago, uh, he got a new liver. And uh, uh, kind of an interesting detail about this. This is his second new liver. He, it's very rare to have, for anyone to have two transplants. But uh, he had gotten a, uh, a liver transplant like seven or eight years ago, and it was uh, from an 18-year-old male who had died in a motorcycle accident, I think, and he got very close to the family, and uh, he's still close with them. This liver started to fail on him. I'm not exactly sure of the details, but anyway, you know, you get, uh, you know, the details of this kind of thing, you get on a list, and then when your number's called, you go, and um, he had been close before. He had a close call before. And he went there. And it turns out this liver was from a 53-year-old African-American prisoner oh, wow. who, had, who had died in prison of a brain aneurysm. And so, so you know, um, you know it's, just, it's the right blood type and it's the right size. And uh, so he gets wheeled in there and they say, well, we're not entirely, uh, we, we can't test this, this. It's a prisoner. We can't test this, this liver for HIV or anything. And it's like, well, you know, what are you going to, it's like, it fits and it's, you know, it's okay. So, and he's, you know, I just came back from seeing him. Oh, did you? And and he looks great. He looks great. He uh, he is uh, uh, has more energy than he's had in years. We, we went to a ball game together uh, and uh, you know, he, he just looks great. I mean, the last time I saw him at Christmas, he looked awful, and I was very much in fear of his life. Um, and uh, so it's really, it's really, really great what, what, what medical, the medical profession can do. Oh, that's really good news. Yeah. yeah. Great. Awesome. So, so if anybody would like to uh, donate to the cause and get a copy of this DVD, how do they go about doing that, Brent? Um, you can go to my website, which is www.brentbourgeois.com, and all you got to know is how to spell bourgeois, you know, uh, for that. Uh, and there's two different ways you can get it. There's, I have a PayPal on there, so you can get it like that, or you can send me a check to a P.O. box that's listed on there, and uh, and uh, I'll get it right back to you. So yeah, you are uh, you're really fast. I when mine showed up, it was like I just sent you my my request or whatever. Like three days before that, and here it was. So, well, we I raced right down to that post office. You know, <laughs> our, our, our considerable staff now. really is really is well trained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have my guy do it. <laughs> your people, my people. That's right. I saw you mentioned that your son was on the DVD. I saw that yeah. you got to meet Elvis Costello that day on Facebook. Did you see huh. that picture? <laughs> Cool. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he went down. He and uh, he and my daughter Corey, actually, who's also on the DVD, they sing a song with me. That was a great thrill, kind of a bonus thing. Uh, but they went down to a 
bookstore, or no, music store, Meba Records in San Francisco, and he, he has a new record out. Elvis has a new record out. You know, and he did the, uh, he did the six or seven song uh, set, and then he signed stuff for people. You know, my, my son is a real fan of people, you know. That's one of his faves. But uh, where, was the, where was the thing, Brent? It was in San Francisco. Oh, wow. And uh, so he and Corey went down, and they, huh. they, uh, they, uh, they, they, they were one of the people that got to have something signed. And, uh, and you know, my, what's really funny is uh, this is a little, this is funny, that my daughter Corey is a huge fan of the Jonas Brothers, uh, <laughs> and so she's going to the Jonas Brothers concert here in, in Sacramento in August, and Nick Jonas is a big fan of Elvis Costello. Uh-huh. So she got Elvis Costello to sign a poster to Nick. <laughs> good strategy. And oh, she's hoping cool. to give it to him. How about yeah, that? Very good strategy. Now, how, yeah, how I mean, I, I thought. <laughs> that's thinking. She's, uh, that was pretty good thinking. She's triangulating. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so she must be pretty young. <laughs> she's 16, you know. 16. Uh, right, is that the right crowd for them? Yeah, they're very popular. <laughs> I saw... Um, a lot of them on that Walt Disney Channel when I had to stay in a place with some kids on vacation, that's for sure. They started their tour at the house that Jerry built the other night. Uh, yeah. The, oh, they the, sure did. They yeah. The, the we, monster by the uh, – that uh, I, which I just got a look at the other night, which is unbelievable looking. You know, but. You know what's funny about the uh, – everybody, they're talking about the new Cowboy Stadium – I saw a news report. I think they performed here Saturday night, and so I must have been watching the news that morning. Yeah. And they actually had to add, I don't know how many new cell phone towers right there at the stadium because they knew everyone would be texting during the show. <laughs> oh, man. Did you, did you guys get to see any uh, when Todd was in San Fran last week? No, I. You know what? Um, a friend of mine, I, and I, I was in town. I had to. Uh, I had to give a book talk that night, and I wasn't able to to make it over there. Uh, so I was who's in Dallas. Who's, tour, who's in tour? Who's touring with him this time? Let's see. As oh, far as the uh, with the band, are you talking about the uh, yeah the band? Act? There's an opening act, Paul Freeman, who's going to be famous one day if he's already getting there. And then the band is Chasm Sultan, okay. Rachel Hayden. Oh wow! So Chasm's yes, playing uh, Utility, huh? Yep, he's playing and keyboards and guitar. Bass. Rachel's wow. playing bass. Uh, okay. Jesse Grass on guitar, of course, and Prairie Prince uh-huh. on the drums. Yeah. Wow. Very Good cool. Stuff. Yep. And um, since you brought a book, I know we're going to go down that road, but I was going to mention, too, that Brent, your son is very good at promoting himself. I've seen him all over the Internet promoting his music and his stuff. I think it's very clever. Well, you know what? He It would be good for him to hear that. He he feels like he's hardly going anywhere with it. So Take time. Uh, He's trying, you know. It's a really tough, sure, a tough deal uh, nowadays. You know, the without the everybody's kind of uh, they're, they're uh, uh, proclaiming uh, uh, their, their joy over the end of the record industry, but those people actually did something, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, you know, the promotion and marketing was uh, yeah, and guarantees and that kind of stuff. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very hard for him to. He he thinks he spends most of his time trying to promote himself, you know. Uh-huh. He's get on uh, American Idol or something, maybe. <laughs> you know, well, they may be coming to him, sort of, uh, because yeah. before, you know, it would have been an absolute non-starter until, you know, I think pretty soon they're going to start having people that write their own music on it. I mean, they're going to have to. Oh, 
Because how many times can you have the same R&B type singers? You know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, yeah, if we come out to the West Coast, we'll request that he is the opening act if we do a Rugged Radio Tide gig out there. How about that? Well, no, that'd be very cool. And uh, isn't, aren't, aren't they having some sort of thing in Roseville here? Uh, uh, Todd Fest or something? And uh, yeah. Didn't, didn't, uh, didn't uh, Roger Linder? Yeah. Yes, he having... is. Thank you for bringing that up. We should have mentioned that when we did our announcements. Everybody, mm-hmm. August 22nd in Antelope, California, at Roger oh, yeah. Linder's place. There's Very good. Todd Fest West. I and have, I have got there. a website, which is toddfestwest.com. Yeah. Oh, so Larry and Brent, you think he might show up? Uh, you know Simon what? Roger's a really good friend. I'd uh, and I'd love to show up. It, it'd be it'd be great. Great to see the gang again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Oh. Those good good folks. Yeah. Very good. So that's real close to where you guys are. Yeah. <laughs> it's a suburb. It's in the greater Sacramento area. So how often do you two guys uh, see each other? I know you said you did just a, a week or so ago to watch the DVD. Do you, do you guys have lunch together or anything? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, he hasn't uh, invited me for lunch in quite a long time. But maybe it was the last time I insulted his lunch. But uh, uh, no, we actually we we're actually forced to see each other uh, quite often. Uh, um, they, you know, this uh, now that we're both authors. Yeah, the you know, press. that seeing each other thing is kind of, that, that's so 20th century. Uh, we <laughs> we mail each email each other our, our books and stuff. I just, as a matter of fact, I just got finished reading uh, six chapters of, uh, now that we're here with uh, Rungan Radio's book club, uh, we're, uh, <laughs> I just finished the first chapter, uh, six chapters of Brent's new book, which is, which are great. Uh, and you, Brent, you're going to have to, let him in on this thing, because oh well, it's I don't know if I have the time to explain it, but um, the uh, yeah, I mean the 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 the, the paper here is doing a a, a joint uh, a review slash a column uh, in their book section. I think it's coming next Sunday or something. Uh, you know, on both of our books, and that was the hook. Um, oh, it, yeah, you know, I'm kind of so. Yeah, so I I, I kid it to them. It's uh, Larry's gonna have to let me know when he dies, uh, when he's gonna die, so we can we can make sure that we do it, do it together. Uh, here we go. Hey Doug, why don't we just let the two of them talk? This is fun. Sure. Yeah, let's, let's keep going. Tell us who's got the better book. You know, that kind of thing. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Well. Uh, actually, I, I, actually, I haven't talked to Brent since uh, I finished. Well, I just finished chapter six, and he, he's got these two Uyghur guys in uh, Japanese prison camp in China in nineteen in nineteen thirty nine. So he's kind of going a little. You know, the old saying is you, you go with what you know, and so you know Brent uh, has, has spent so much time with the Uyghurs in China. Yeah, you know, I mean, I. I <laughs> I'm probably um, Elk Grove's most foremost, or one of the top ten experts in Elk Grove on Uyghurs in, <laughs> in the 1930s. Right. Uh, now, I, you no, guys definitely. know. 
you know what we yeah, hey, are. You know, I got to tell you, you know, last when we uh, had this uh, conversation with the B interviewer, uh, he said the word Uyghur, and I thought, and I went immediately went home. You know, rather than immediately admit that I didn't know what in the world a Uyghur was, I went home and Googled it so I'd know next time he met, he brought it up. But now I'm officially in the know. But Brent, you might want to tell him. What is it? Uyghur, Uyghurs are um, Chinese Muslims. Uh, they they uh, have have an area, a rather large area uh, in northwestern China, kind of above Tibet, and uh, next to all the stands in the former Soviet Union. They're Muslims. They're not Chinese. They are, um, and they you know they're 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 Chinese citizens, but they really don't consider themselves Chinese. Uh, the Chinese government considers a lot of them terrorists. Um, that's how come a, a bunch of them ended up in Guantanamo Bay, uh, and uh, they were just in the news uh, as uh, they finally found a place for a countries for them to to uh, send them to because China didn't want them back and uh, we don't want them. And uh, there there were two guys down there, Uyghurs from China, that were in Guantanamo Bay for seven years without being charged anything. And the, the reason they were there for so long was because nobody could speak the language and they didn't have anybody to translate. So for the want of a nail, you know, uh, yeah. they, they sat there for, uh, for a long, long, long time after it was known that they didn't do anything. Um, they just couldn't release them because nobody could speak their language. And so that was part of the idea of this book. Um, I kind of followed two, two Uyghurs around in this, uh, this adventure that they have in World War II where they can't speak anybody else's language and nobody can speak their language. And actually, it's funny because when Brent mentioned it a, couple, a week or so ago when we talked to this uh, B reporter, uh, and he said Uyghur, and I, thought, and I could have sworn I'd never heard that word before, uh, the very next day, uh, in the mood. I heard it twice. It's Uyghur, Uyghur, Uyghur. And so see if the same thing doesn't happen to you. I mean, all of a sudden, <laughs> you're going to hear that word. And it was a lot of it was because of the Gu- Guantanamo thing. But yeah. uh, all of a sudden, it's like, boom. It's, uh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. They're, uh, so they just, it's a, it's they're a, everywhere. You know, hijinks, hijinks ensue. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's kind of a seven, eight year uh, thing in the life of these guys. And they, uh, and I'm just kind of in the middle of it right now. So yeah, that's the one he's yeah. gonna write. So we haven't even talked about the ones we've already written yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk uh, to. I don't really know how to go about talking to you guys about your books, except going one at a time, basically. So Brent, um, we, I guess we'll start with you. You've got a new book out called Left Behind: Jesus in the Age of the American Empire. I'm and actually thinking of renaming it uh, the unpopular Mr. Jesus. Isn't left behind part of a series? <laughs> That's that is the, the reference. Yeah. Uh, okay. Making sure. Well, you've got on on Amazon.com. You've got a five star rating. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, my mom liked it. No, uh, yeah, it's amazing what one review will will get you. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Well. That in a in a it's it's one review. Yeah, well, still it's five stars. So it's better than a, a one star. You know, it's better than somebody that bought it and they hated it. 
I got to tell you that. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, it's a you know it's a it's it's a nonfiction book. It's a it's kind of like how come when I became a Christian, I instinctively um, moved to the left, and everybody else that I know that became a Christian moved to the right. It's sort of an explanation of that particular in my head how that happened and and uh i i sought the answer myself kind of why did this happen how come i feel so comfortable being liberal and being a follower of jesus but everybody almost everybody else i know uh, at least at, at that time you know almost a knee-jerk reaction to the right and to the far right uh-huh. and, and you know how, how does this happen you know am i am i so out there you know um, <laughs> was this now were these people that you already knew, and all of you became Christians at the same time, or, or did you just uh, meet no, new no, people? No, no, this is the whole, the whole gamut. That's the thing. See, I, you know, first kind of started out here in, in Sacramento with, the, you know, the church. I, You know, I kind of had to do with getting sober and, you know, and then all that stuff, and I went to a church and started here. And then the big thing was when I moved to Nashville and, and got into the Christian music industry in many different capacities and you know living in Nashville for eight years and I you know I it, it is the buckle of the Bible Belt, you know and it is but you know it, it, and, and in that long period of time you know I was constantly known as the village and there were you know I would have to say that it was 98 percent you know uh, rep- conservative Republican you know the evangelical Christian crowd that that I you know whether they were from the South or not that's the interesting thing a lot of people in Nashville come from everywhere else they come from California and Michigan Massachusetts and Florida and everywhere else but it didn't that didn't seem to matter if they if they were evangelical Christians they were hardcore Republicans well now when you say and, conservative a lot of people will say I am a um, you know conservative when it comes to business but i'm a liberal when it comes to social things are these people you're talking about strictly they're conservative all the way no question they're 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 first and foremost social conservatives Mm -hmm. um and and the economics pretty much follow behind that too um you know the people that are fiscally conservative and socially liberal are sometimes referred to as libertarians yes um and just keep the government out of everything kind Mm -hmm. of thing um out of my bedroom and out of my life and but for the most part, these people are, I mean, almost all of them would be complete conservatives. Um, you know, no on, you know, no on gay rights, no, you know, obviously no, you know, pro-life, pro-life. But, but everything else. I mean, you know, George Bush supporters, supporters of the flag and, the, you know, whatever, you know, they listen to Rush Limbaugh, they watch Fox News, um, and it's, you know, I, and I just never understood it. I never Are you saying Fox News is not fair and balanced? <laughs> um, no, I'm not saying that. Just making sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, seriously. The uh, what, what was your conclusion? What did you figure? What did you discover? I have to read the book. Well, uh, a couple of things. One is is that the far the farther I delved into the subject, the farther left I got. It, it you know, if it. If the object was to try to understand, it was less, it was harder to, and harder to understand how those, how those, the people could be the way they are. Um, 
it kind of got me farther out there on the twig. Um, and uh, and yet, I, you know, I hold fast to my, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but I, I, I can't I, I can't imagine anyone being a follower of Jesus Christ that doesn't, that, that, that you know, isn't a small L liberal. Um, but, uh, and, you know, the, the other thing was that I, I think a lot of people are taught a version of history that, um, that makes it easy to um, to develop certain opinions about um, our country um, in in relationship to what we do overseas is that well we must be right because we're the good guys you know we're the good guys no matter what we're the good guys mm-hmm. and so it it enables people to look at something like the invasion of Iraq through those kind of lens rose colored lenses of we're the good guys and um, and and then and then it's it's a complete uncritical approach. Um, you know, they must be right. They must, you know, they they have the best intentions. It's about freedom and liberty and democracy and all that stuff. And you know, you cannot critically look at it because it's us. And that's because we've we've fed our kids a pretty uncritical version of of history. And uh, that's, I go into that a lot in the book. Well, a lot of it. I mean, you know, you have to look at. You mentioned Jesus Christ, who really doesn't appear obviously doesn't appear until the New Testament. So you've got the argument of the, if you look at the Old Testament versus New Testament, it's kind of your story. I mean, the, the Old Testament, very conservative. New Testament, you could argue more liberal. And so it's kind of, it's a, it's like the uh, the book is very conflicting in a way because you have these Ten Commandments and then you have what Jesus says and, and they almost seem complete opposite and, to a lot well, of Well, the, the, not the greatest commandment is, is not only um, in in both sides, but it's in every religion on earth. You know, it's the same in every religion. You know, um, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Love, you know, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's a universal thing. It goes through every every culture in the world. Um, and I do mention in the book that. You know, when Christians want to talk about war and being sort of the, get their martial uh, spirit up, they they tend to uh, invoke God and the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's that's where they go. Uh, well, you know, uh, God commanded the Israelites to destroy Canaan. You know, so I guess that gives us the green light in Iraq. You know, <laughs> well, that's what, the, and of course, that's what they say. Why well, they should destroy us for religious purposes? You know, I mean, it's yeah. it comes full circle, really. Everybody yeah, thinks so, they're the good guys. Yeah, of course. And that, I, I mean, I, I write a lot about that, you know, in in the book. Is that that uh, you know every everybody's and good guys come and go. You know, the the, the good guys in uh, the the bad guys in in World War II were Germany and Japan. You know, and look at them now. Mm-hmm. You know, and and how China and Russia become. You know, and are good and bad depending on the day. Uh, you know, Israel's a good guy to us and a bad guy to almost everybody else. Um, you know, so uh, that's that's basically there's a lot of a lot of that in the book. A lot of sort of uh, you know, it's just me going, hmm. I wonder why that you know this is. I wonder why people always thought that. I wonder why people you know just going to find out what it is. You know, going to sure. find out why people thought that and where they got these thoughts from, and um, you know. Right. That's that's it, pretty much. Well, you know, I I have to take my hat off to you, Brent, because uh, being from Texas, I was born and bred here. 
I was raised conservative Republican. I, of course, was raised in the Methodist Church. And I have found, especially the older I get, the more that I, I tend to lean a little more towards the center more and more, which means I'm turning left. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never actually put my own thoughts into, uh, gee, am I the only one out here that feels this way, that still wants to believe in Jesus, but maybe not always vote Republican, you know. Well, in so, Texas, you, you probably right. are. <laughs> what? I said in Texas, you probably are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard. Texas and Tennessee, I mean, those those two states in particular are hardcore to the right. You know, um, you know. I mean, I just got through with a week of being around my dad, and uh, you know, and it's tough. I mean, I know he's, you know, he's 85 and all, but um, you know, it is a, it, you know, you become a target when you, when you, uh, when you, you know, I, I fight. Do I want to really go through this? Because uh, it, the, the thing with my uh, book and is that it's, a, it's at a, definitely at a contradiction to the people who come from the evangelical Christian world that know me for my music there, that come and search out my music. Uh, and that's where, like, say, for instance, on Facebook, where at least a third of the people, maybe half the people that, you know, come with friend requests, they're coming there because they know me as a Christian artist, Christian producer, songwriter, and they, they're familiar with my, with my music and my words. And then they start reading the stuff that I've written, and, and it's like a shock, and it's a horror, <laughs> and, it's, and it's, you know, it's heresy, and I'm a traitor. <laughs> and, you know, and it's worse than if I was just some guy doing it because to them I'm betraying, you know, what, I, what they thought I was. Um, they, people assume if you wrote this and that, you know, kind of lyric, or that you must be, you know, one of them. Right. And, uh, and it's just it's just betrayal. And, and so you get a target on your back. And I have to spend a lot of time fending off, you know, this stuff. And it's, you know, I I don't know that I have the constitution to do it, because um, you have to be pretty pretty keep your emotions in check, and you have to be pretty zen-like in uh, your approach to it. And that's. You know, Larry might be able to tell you that's not two things that people talk about. about (laughs) The two things, religion and politics, people say don't talk about it, you're getting all into it. Yeah, religion and politics, it's like, yeah, Yeah. don't talk to strangers about religion and politics, and what am I doing? Um, Yeah. Well, if you talk about, yeah, half your friends would be from the Todd world, let's say, for example, that remember, you know, the days of bourgeois tag and the nearly human, et cetera, they're going to be mostly on the left side. So if you went right, they'd be arguing with you too. You can't win it in the politics and religion because everybody's got their opinion and everybody's all over the place. So it's kind of a, you know, you got to be thinking. That's true. And I'll tell you what. If it wasn't for the, you know, the, the Todd, the, the Toddites, you know, are a, are a strong uh, kind of counterweight to a lot of that. And sure. I'm, I'm glad they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can, if they can sit through Jesse and still, you know, still be in the car, you know, you've got them <laughs> in your camp, Brent. Hey, we all have our that dark side. Whether you're right or left, I think that's a pretty wild one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was actually I was writing something on Brent's wall one day. Uh, some just 
innocuous comment about what I had for breakfast or whatever it is you do on Facebook. And right below my comment, I, I it just happened, my, my eye happened to fall down and read the one right below me, and it just was this guy just flaming Brent for something he'd said, <laughs> you know, uh, at some point. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I guess this is, this is Brent's world. Yeah, it went from my website to Facebook, and uh, now it's Facebook. And I, <laughs> you saw that it's running far away. I'm yep. trying to back, kind of back away from it a bit. You know, I think writing novels is more peaceful, mm-hmm. and it's liable to keep my blood pressure down. But I'm a, I'm a masochist because every time I, you know, I think, well, I'm not going to do this anymore, and then I'll see something I want to post on there, and it's like, ha ha, you know, and I'll put it up there, and then just boom, it's a. Uh, it's a whole new explosion, but I—that's becoming less and less. And I'm—I I really do think that uh, I'm not really cut out for that uh, that world. Well, I don't know. You—you you better get used to it because you've just mm-hmm. been to several hundred pages. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, what's sad is, unfortunately, it, it's—and it works on both sides. If people are just—they see everything in black and white. You can't have an intelligent discussion. Nobody will be able to read your book if they've already made up their mind, this is the way life is. And if there were more people that would just kind of say, let me look at both sides and let me think about this and let me see his perspective and my perspective and try to come somewhere, you know, in the middle if there is one. Or It's just so many people, if they're far right and they're far left, they're just so extreme and they've got their mind made up, you can't have the discussions. It's no fun because they go ballistic on you instead of kind of questioning and trying to find out. Which sounds like what your book is. You're trying to find out and get answers to things, which I think. Yeah, is one more, more thing I'll, I'll say is that is that I've pretty much given up, and I've not pretty. I have given up trying to change anybody's mind on the sure. right. It's a futile effort. I mean, just like I would think it's a hard, it's hard to change anybody on the left, but it's particularly difficult to change people on the right who's, who's who have made up their minds. So I don't even try anymore. What I think the book has a chance to do and what I think I have a calling to do is maybe uh, maybe attract those people who might want to give Christianity a try or, or Jesus a try but it wasn't for those darn Christians that they met you know the you know the, or their or their image of Christians or the or the these uh, what they, they see on TV or you know the, the face of Christianity mm-hmm. if you if you would ask the average person in this country what the face of Christianity is you know, it's somebody like uh, James Dobson or, you know... Osteen or Jerry Falwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about, it's about you know, somebody would say, oh, intolerant, oh, Republican, you know, conservative. I, and, and, and people just say, I don't really want any part of it. You know, people that are on the outside looking in. Um, and so those are the people who this book might do some good for, is people who are on the outside looking in, and, and maybe they say, oh, well, you, you, you don't, you mean you don't to be a card-carrying member of the Republican Party, to be a Christian, uh, and and huh. so you know I kind of limited myself to that at this point. Well, here's yeah. here's a question I'm wondering: Will your book be available in Christian bookstores? No. No? <laughs> They're not even going to allow your book to be sold. Yeah, I, I don't know that. It, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that. For one thing, my book is not in any bookstores. It's only available on Amazon.com at the moment. So it's not fair for me to just say that. I, I would suspect that uh, it would not be available in any event at most Christian bookstores, um, most evangelical Christian bookstores, because there are, there are bookstores 
in, in this country that are not evangelical Christian bookstores, but they're not the big chains um, that you would associate with most bookstores. Um, and in those bookstores, I would doubt you would see my book because it's a critique of, of what they do. People, you know, they don't want to... You, you can't find much of a critique in any, in any Christian bookstore. You can't find the Christian case against war in, in a Christian bookstore. Hmm. Uh, that's true. Hmm. You can find the Christian case for war in a Christian bookstore. Hmm. I have to admit, I don't think I've ever been in a Christian bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't, at the risk of offending all those owners of Christian bookstores that are out there listening right now. <laughs> the Rundgren Radio? Yeah, that are listening to Rundgren Radio right now. You're not missing much. Okay. Um, I'll, uh, although, uh, what, uh, Veggie Tales is pretty funny. Yeah, they got Amy Grant's CD. Yeah. Veggie Tales is a funny cartoon thing that they got going on. Other than that, um, well, unless I you're can... dying to get that new Oliver North book. Yeah. <laughs> I got one more religious question, and then I'm sure we'll shift gears to the other book. But I had, when you say evangelical, uh, to me, that typically means speaking in tongues, raising your hands, the pretty wild churches. What's your definition of that? That's, that's charismatic, what you're mm-hmm. talking about. Speaking mm-hmm. in tongues, raising your hands. Mm-hmm. Evangelical is, is all those non-denominational megachurches that are in your town. Um, I call them rock and roll churches. Yeah, well, those are all evangelical churches. Okay. They don't really necessarily have a denomination. Most of them, some of them might be under the umbrella of, of, of a particular domin- denomination, but Calvary Chapels, the, the, you know, out here is huge churches, Bayside, Adventure, these are, you know, 10,000 people. They, um, and and uh, it's, it's, you know, it has, uh, it, it has different meanings to different people, but what you're describing is, is charismatic. That's right. Those people yeah. that, that standing up and hallelujah and speaking in tongues and falling down and, and all that stuff. And basically that doesn't happen at these churches. Um, fundamentalism is another word that gets thrown around. And, uh, you know, some of these evangelical churches are more fundamentalist than others. Some have a little more social justice in them than others. Some are more overtly political than others. Um, you can find a pretty wide variety. You know, Jim Wallace. Uh, in, in Washington, D.C., the Reverend Jim Wallace, he's an evangelical, and he's left, you know, he's a left guy, you know. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's more of a, about social justice, but he's mm-hmm. a he's a left guy. And, uh, you know, uh, Tony Campolo, another guy, mm-hmm. he would call himself an evangelical, but he's a left guy. Uh, what, about, so, does, what about Joel Osteen? He seems to be more New Testament kind of guy. No. No? No. He's a new, yeah, but I mean, you can be a New Testament guy, and I, he's, he's, he's not, uh, he's, he's pretty uh, to the right. I mean, he, you know, anybody that insults the Dalai Lama like he does is, uh, it's, you know, it, it, I, I don't call that, you know. Gotcha. Uh, Rick, Rick Warren is another guy, the, the guy that did the invocation at the, at Obama. Yeah, he's very controversial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, he's one of those guys that the left people think is right and the right people think is left. So <laughs> maybe he's doing something right. <laughs> he's in, Nobody likes him. Yeah, that's, that's pretty except true. The, yeah. Except the, the 20,000 people that go to his church and the millions of people that have bought his books. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Larry's book. 
There we go. <laughs> is Larry's about religion too? <laughs> uh, I, uh, know, I've can... got a, a Christian bookstore joke, and it's a friend of mine swears he overheard in a Christian bookstore. <clears throat> there was a girl up at the front checking out the Christian jewelry. She was holding up the crosses, trying to figure out which one she was going to buy, and she looked, asked the person behind the counter, "Hey, have you got any of these with the little guy on them?" <laughs> <laughs> Swear, swears he overheard that at a Christian bookstore. <laughs> the end of the joke. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's a yeah. That's probably somebody getting ready to go to a concert wants to look cool like everybody else with the cross on type deal. You know? That was in Christian bookstore quarterly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a joke section. In the joke section. I like that. Excellent. So, Larry, tell us about your book. Uh, well, it's called The Unpopular Mr. Lincoln, and it's about uh, how little um, – the kind of the contemporary view of Lincoln, that is, the people at the time, doesn't really jibe with the view that we have from a century and a half later. Uh, in fact, uh, he uh, was very unpopular during his presidency, and so uh, I thought – I kind of got wind of it from some reading I was doing it a few years ago, and I just kind of touched the surface of it and thought it sounded like it may, might make a good book. And the more uh, reading and researching I did, the the better it got. So, um, so I spent about the last five years working on it, and um, that's that's it in a nutshell. The 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 idea uh, is that. No, nobody ever did more good or more in the presidency with less political capital than Abraham Lincoln. He really didn't have a constituency once uh, once the war got started and uh, and the heat of the the crisis kind of th- uh, kind of drove everybody to extremes uh, one way or another. And he uh, he had to be the guy in the middle, the cautious guy, the constitutional guy. Uh, who uh, had to appeal to, to both sides? Nobody was in the middle with him. Everybody was on one side or the other. Or the other. So it was uh, it was a kind of a treat getting all these uh, quotes from people who just absolutely vilified Lincoln for sometimes you know exactly the opposite reasons. People that thought he was a tyrant and people that thought he was too timid and and vacillating. Um, and you know, I'd some a lot of times I'd, I'd get one and. I'd say, oh, here, I'd, I'd, my wife would be in the room with me, and I'd say, Lori, listen to this one, you know, and I'd read her the quote, and she'd, she'd, and she'd always say, oh, poor Lincoln. She's, she really got to, she felt poorly for, for Uncle, old, honest Abe, you know. Yeah. So, well, tell us, um, most, most of those comments were from people in the North, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the thing is, you know, they wouldn't be news if I was getting comments from southern people it was all north once the war starts it's all northern comments because you know the winners write history you know we uh, like brent was talking about a while ago uh the the history that we get most of the time in schools especially if the history teacher is not a real uh you know is not really in depth is just kind of the history of the winners and it's the the winners view of the, their heroes, and that's the one we normally get of Lincoln, which really doesn't admit of a whole lot of loathing, which is uh, what a lot of people had for Lincoln at the time. And, uh, you know, it's, it, I didn't mean it for it to read like a 
you know, like a cat, a, just kind of a catalog of insults of Lincoln, kind of a Don Rickles routine or anything. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a good story. I mean, it makes a good story. I tried to, to write it as a good narrative. And, uh, and I, you know, I ran it by Brent before, before I, you know, uh, published it. And so he was, he was uh, one of the first readers of it, him and my wife. And so... Uh, well, now, are, is Brent one of the three reviews on Amazon.com? <laughs> no, Brent's like put his on there yet. You know. <laughs> no, I'd be, I'd be uncovered. I'm a homer. Um, but I, I, do, I, you know, I, I will heartily endorse this book. I mean, uh, I kept thinking, um, you know, okay, you know, this next chapter, there, you know, this is when it turns around for him, and it. You know, and then it wouldn't, and then I'd say, well, and then it'd go on to the next year or the next six months. Well, this is where it must turn around for him, because we all have this idea of of him as one of the one of the top two or three presidents, and everybody loves him. He's got this big memorial to him, and and, and you know, it didn't turn around for him until the day after he died. <laughs> and it's oh, an yeah. amazing, you know, thing that that this guy who we venerate, you know, so much. You know, it took him uh, dying to really become the Abe Lincoln that 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 we all know. The one that we put on. Actually, I was just talking. The pastor at my church is reading reading the book right now, and he's and really, it's word for word what Brent was just saying. He says, "So, so I'm I'm betting that it's just getting ready. To, he's he's in the middle of the book, right? He's uh, he says, I'm just I, you know, is it gonna is it just about ready to turn around for him and." No. And, you know, and actually, I thought, you know, kind of going into the research on the book, at least, you know, when he issued the Emancipation Proclamation, you know, he when he went from kind of the rail splitter uh, and the kind of the all the things that went wrong in the first couple of years, and he got to the Emancipation Proclamation, then things really kind of he became known as the great man that he would ultimately become known as and it didn't that wasn't true either it's like the the people the uh the real abolitionist types thought it was a thought for one thing well it didn't free any slaves for one thing uh, right away and and it didn't have anything great to say about the moral cause of anti-slavery and so they didn't like it and the people that were against it in the first place hated him even worse and uh so even when he was the great emancipator he was still vilified by by both extremes, and so that to me is when it really got bizarre. Because I, you know, I always assumed that you know the the war just needed a, a moral impetus to you know carry the holy cause forward, and here it was, and Abraham Lincoln did it, and everybody was for it, and it wasn't the case at all. So, uh, and that's you know still midway through the book. So, like Brent says, I hate to ruin it for everybody. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. I will say I will say this: that Larry's been booked for like. Six months straight at the new George W. Bush Library uh, because because they found their new hero. That's uh, right. That's right. You know, and now everybody that's unpopular is going to be Lincoln-esque. Lincoln-esque. Huh? Well, now that, that brings us to an interesting um, interesting question uh, that goes back to one of one of the three reviews that are on Amazon.com about your book, Larry. Uh, uh-huh. One of the reviewers said that a person can't help. Uh, making comparisons to the recent election when they're uh-huh. reading your book. Right. I'm not, I don't know if I really understood what that person was saying, but do you, and can you explain it? Well, 
you know, that's a it's a normal craving, I think, to want to apply the lessons uh, to something, you know, recent and and political, some recent political thing. Um, and I, I can't remember. I thought you were going to give the, the comment from the the bourgeois dag song that the, there was somebody wrote mutual surrender into their review here recently. Oh, well, check that out. No, but well, no. Um, well, everybody wants to get right with Lincoln, you know. Which, by the way, didn't start until it was a habit that didn't get started until after he was dead. Um, but you know, Obama wanted to be, you know, seen as this uh, Lincoln-esque character, and 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 then Bush too. You know, Bush. Uh, Bush oh, especially took, now that he's read your book. Uh, <laughs> He's had his new hero. Uh, <laughs> you know, he used to compare himself to Harry Truman, but no more. <laughs> now he's read my book. He's got he's got a new pattern. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm sure that's what they're talking about. Um, but you know, the thing is, uh, Obama, if, if that's who, who they were talking about, uh, has nothing in common with Lincoln as far as the circumstances have been going into office. I mean, Obama is a popular president. Lincoln was elected by less than 40% of the people. I mean, he was he had, he was a he was a minority president and he things got worse for him like immediately after he was elected. People states started seceding from the union and people were wondering if they hadn't done the wrong thing in electing him and so his popularity when he was inaugurated for the first time was way down in the 20s which is where bush's was going out of office um, See, i told you so uh yeah so there you go uh george george can uh, take heart from that but but you know but uh, the point i was making was that o- obama tries to in- invoke lincoln and and you know and all more power to him but as far as their circumstances and taking office, uh, they're they're completely dissimilar. Uh, it's funny too that Obama took the the Lincoln train uh, into uh, Washington when he on, in the week before his inauguration, trying to kind of solidify his image as this Lincoln-esque kind of type of person. And actually, the the Lincoln the the train that Lincoln took from Baltimore into Washington, he took it in the dead of night. He sneaked into Washington the day before he was supposed to arrive on a secret night train to avoid an assassination attempt. And everybody, and I mean everybody, saw it as an act of cowardice. And uh, here's this president of the United States sneaking into the Capitol like a thief in the night. And, you know, it was just like a new low for the presidency at the time. So when I saw Obama trying to, you know, actually making a big point of taking the train from Baltimore to Washington, I thought that was kind of funny. And, of course, he didn't really – nobody really brought to, brought to light the fact that you know, it was one of Lincoln's worst moments. Uh, and So that's the kind of thing that you know, I think if people know a little bit more about the circumstances, uh, it uh, it's, uh, it's, makes a pretty good, pretty good read. There are a lot of books out about Lincoln. I'd have to argue it's probably the, really? the most written about president there is. And there's well, between me disagree. and between Lincoln and Jesus, I think we've you yeah, know we've they're pretty really yeah. uncharted territory. Yeah, Dale Carnegie loves Lincoln. It's just there's so many. There's been well, there's only one things. like this one I can tell you. That's the That's only one that, that yeah says he's a bad boy. One like this yeah. One. You know, when he first started writing this book, I you know kind of privately thought the same thing. You, you're writing a book about Lincoln. Yeah, right. You know, didn't 
Carl Sandburg write a book? Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. every, you know, yeah, but, but boy, I mean, there's only one book like this book. And it, you know, it's a, it's, I think it could really take off, but I'm I worry for Larry if it does. <laughs> I, you know, I appreciate Don't that. Don't put it in theaters, Larry. Brent, you know, really, and and you know, actually, Brent was the first one who 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 told me his kind of his trepidation about, you know, geez, you know, this kind of this might really make people mad. It's disturbing, and it was really, and sure enough, I'm hearing that. Uh, I'm hearing that from a lot of people. Uh, I've, I've made a few forays, you know, into the uh, Southern California and Chicago and things to talk about the book. And then the, what Brent was saying uh, is coming back again and again. It's like, this is not easy to digest. It's not easy to swallow. It's not easy to, to, to take all this, you know, this, all this venom against... You know, the, and the next book he's writing is what an idiot George Washington was. <laughs> uh, you know, it, I'm, just, I'm just a little worried. What about Benjamin Franklin? Yeah. <laughs> Who else would well, man? He did take my suggestion, one suggestion, which was to, his last sentence was, they all lived happily ever after, which uh, really kind of covers a multitude. Well, I was kind of wondering if, if you know, if if I really ought to like really bring something really totally new into the picture, you know, that and, and Make say up. that you know Lincoln actually lived at his last years on an orange ranch in Southern California. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then, or then there'd be tongues wagging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then you could get the Disney movie going. That's but right. I don't think. <laughs> oh my goodness! So you're. Going after the popular Lincoln, Brent's going after the religious. No, he's guy. going after the unpopular Lincoln. Well, he means I'm going after the image of the popular the Lincoln. The popular Lincoln, yeah. You right. guys are just trying to start trouble, I think. I know. You know, it really does. You know, that is, it, it comes back to me that musicians are generally subversive people. You know, mm-hmm. and and it's sure enough, Brent and I are taking the subversive view of whatever we we touch and it's just i think it's i think it's it's in our nature as and the musicians are like that you know uh, yeah, we, are there any just, songs about lincoln <laughs> i you know i know he wrote a song about we got we got religious and political songs but i don't know about lincoln songs yeah well there's there was one called we were coming father abraham but I don't know the tune to it, so I can't really sing it for you. I'm sure people have mentioned $5 bills in songs, though. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Lean, long, lanky, Lincoln. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. So, but, yeah, I, I think, I think you know, generally, uh, the thing that made us musicians uh, uh, still is still working as writers is, you know, we're not going to approach a, something and just kind of take the party line on it. We're probably going to be fairly, I don't know, it's just kind of Well, I think it nature. rings true to whatever kind of nature of a musician you are. I mean, if you are a safe musician, then you might take a safe route. Yeah, that's probably uh, true. Uh, and, uh, you know, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I guess, my brothers are writing about the unpopular Mr. Lincoln, or the left-wing Jesus. I don't think either one of those things yeah. Yeah, you gonna, the- are going to make... <laughs> Yeah, you won't see. But and, and, you know, and that to me, that's you know, that's really the tie-in with the, with Rungan Radio is that you know, 
we're talking to the fans of one of the most subversive musicians that's that's out there, and uh, really? so I know we'll get a we'll get a uh, you know, <laughs> we'll get a nod from those folks. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Never did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, we yeah. kind of Doug just mentioned. Uh, has anyone written songs about Lincoln? So let's move on to talk about music, shall we? All right. Yay. Ooh. Hey. What a concert! Uh, and before <laughs> I ask this question, I want to go ahead and say to everybody out there in Radio Land, Blog Talk Radio Land, uh, you can call in and talk to Brent and Larry at six four six seven one six nine two six two. Meanwhile, we did have a question from the chat room from someone named Angel's Love, and this is for Brent. He or she would like to know, what was your inspiration for the song Dare to Fall in Love? Do you remember? Um, Um, Sorry, didn't mean to hurt your head or anything. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I could talk about all this heavy stuff. Uh, um, Um, you know, I, I, it's not, it wasn't really a, uh, in that particular one, it wasn't a lyrical inspiration as much as it was one of those songs that the music kind of, uh, the track and the, and the style and the, you know, the way the melody goes and the way it's sung and all that was really what was thought of first. And then it lent itself by, a lot of times, um, the, uh, a song, the way, the way it sounds or feels will lend itself to what direction the, the lyric might go. And it's kind of a dark, funky thing. And, and uh, um, so the the lyric uh, lent itself to being kind of dark. Um, and uh, so that, you know, it, but it was, it was not one of those songs where the idea of the song lyrically came first. In fact, most of my songs aren't like that. Um, you know, everybody's got a different way of writing, but uh, most of the most of the songs I, that I've written come from a musical idea. Um, yeah, we that 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 rings a bell with me too. I mean, we we used to start with with a groove, you know, and think, okay, now what's what's going to be good with this? Um, and, and sometimes you, sometimes you get you get a a lyrical hook in your head, and you have to figure out what what it means to the rest of the song. I mean. That'll happen when you get you get a whole idea, like one line that's complete in your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know and, and, and as I think about that, I think I might have, you know, the, the idea one kiss is a dangerous drug. I get what I deserve if I dare to fall in love. I think that might have come as a piece, and you kind of figure out what what does that mean? You know, what is that? You know, you got to write something around it. Um, oh, so sometimes the lyrics come before the music. Right. But not, I mean, not from most most of the time. I mean, I, I've hardly ever written a lyric, total lyric, and then put music to it. Some people do that. I, I, I'm just not one of them. I mean, but I can get an idea, a, a line that comes complete, and then you, then you sort of write the song around it. Um, but ne- almost never. I mean, I don't know, Larry, if you have, but I, I mean, where where you write a lyric. Yeah. And then you got to no, figure out. And I know, you know, that's a great, you know, way to go if you can do that. And some people do. They'll write a page full of stuff, and and then they'll, you know, they'll be able to find. And you know, uh, uh, who am I trying to think of? Um, well, people have written songs with lyrics first, and uh, 
written great songs. Sure, but we, we never were that really that kind of. And, and I think I, I think it might be you know more from the Dylan school in a way, uh, yeah. or a folky kind of thing right. where where you can. And our stuff was kind of more, you know, kind of more fostered by the beats. And yeah, uh, and how about you know like Elton John who got the lyrics yeah. from Bernie Taupin and then he'd put some you know uh, incredible musical spin onto it and that was a great way to go for him. Mm-hmm. But we usually we usually started. As a matter of fact, we used the joke. We used the joke. Some, uh, you know, we'd have a groove, and 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 we'd say, I'd, Brent same to me. Hey man, and I got to start on the lyric, and I said, Okay, what what is it? And he said, Well, I got the first word. It's I. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I'd go, hey, that's, heavy. that's heavy. I'll pat it over to you. <laughs> well, now uh, last time that let me think this through. Last time that Larry was on this show, we were talking about the song I Don't Mind at All. And I believe, now Larry, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you said that Lyle came up with that, with the music for that. And he came to you guys and said, here's this, what do you think? And then you guys both went in separate directions. And I believe, Larry, you said you started really, really thinking on it. Oh, but, yeah. But that Brent just... <laughs> Twenty minutes later, boom, he's gone. right. Oh yeah, he was always like that. That's why I hate well, him so the, much. what happened, at least what I remember happening was, Lyle came over to my house, and at the time I had a uh, one of those four-track cassette players, and I think he did too. And he came over with a cassette to put in my four-track cassette player, and he had something on the first side that he wanted me to hear. That he, that was the main thing he wanted me to to listen to, to work on. And as he's leaving, he said, oh, and there's something else on the other side you can listen if you get a chance. And that was I Don't Mind at all. That was the guitar part, and I Don't Mind at all. So, you know, I remember whatever, I listened to the thing on the first side, and it was whatever it was. I turned it over and listened to that, and it immediately was like, this is the thing right here. I mean, this is it. <laughs> um, and just kind of went right at it. Um, uh, because, you know, I, that's always been a thing. If you... If you have, you know, I, those, those moments you can count on maybe on the fingers of your hand in your life when you when you hear something, you know that that makes so much sense and it, it inspires you to go right to, I, I get this, I know this, you know, I can do this kind of thing. There's just not that many moments in your life, you know. It's yeah, I wish there were more of them, but maybe that's maybe it's meant to be because it keeps it really special. But uh, you know, it's just a few of those times when you just go, I totally get this. I totally know how to do this, um, and that was that was one of them. Yeah, and that's the beauty of a pop song too, which is, you know, it's just a little gem. You know, it's a little crystalline little gem that you can you can write in 20 minutes if you are if you really do have that complete vision of it. Whereas, you know, writing a book is uh, is, a, is a takes a long time. At least an hour. And, <laughs> doesn't have that immediate payoff. Copy with no, and, you know, I think that sort of seeks into the idea. Like people ask both of us, it's a very common thing. Well, how come you're not writing songs? You know what? How could you? Or how could you not still write songs? Um, and and you know, I think think for both of us, we we kind of talked about this together. And for both of us, it's just kind of a at some point the idiom of three minute pop song is it's kind of hard to say the things, you know, uh, things I want to say, it's very difficult to do it in that format where 
where you have you know you, you have this 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 sort of agreed upon uh, format. Uh, you can change it slightly. You know things kind of have to rhyme and they have to do, you know and you have to say what you want to say and you have to have a bridge and you know and you know you, you could go into some odd kind of operatic thing or, or epic thing but the expansiveness of a book and you get to some point if you write you know there's it's almost a logical extension of uh, you know a, a logical place to move on to um, and, and Larry uh, why don't you talk about that you were talking about writing a pop song uh, and how you feel at some at some point when you get a certain age. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, um, you know, part of the charm of a pop song is uh, its authenticity with the voice of the person. And, you know, you reach a certain age and there's just no real authenticity. Uh, and, and, you know, a, a very few, and Todd is one of them, actually, who can, who has kind of transcended that and is able to, but especially with pop music um, as a, as a, it's a little easier, you know. If you're writing blues, you can you can be a blues guy or R and B guy or a Christian guy for a lot longer. But you know, in pop world, it's it's hard to write authentically, really, and tell the truth and be you know and have all the conflicted ideas and the you know that come with age and the kind of like well, on the other hand, you know, kind of ideas that you're not burdened with when you're young and impetuous and you think everybody has to hear what you want to say you know that's that's when you need to write a pop song uh later on it's a little it, it wasn't as easy for me to do emotionally i got a pain right here in my knee <laughs> <laughs> and my 401k is going down <laughs> my hip fell out this doesn't quite connect to the demo that it needs to connect to. <laughs> I got a pain in my knee and I just got a DRE. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't buy that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody's going to buy that song. Just wouldn't happen. No. Uh, well, speaking of songs, let's take a quick commercial break and play one of y'all's songs because I don't mind as everybody loves that song. And, and Chasm, and it's just in case you didn't know, in some of his shows he always says, God, I wish I would have wrote that song. Oh, and man, that. That's the ultimate compliment. I wish yeah. I would have wrote that song. Yeah, if he doesn't pay y'all, you know, a little commission on that, you need to, you know, send him an email or something. Well, we'll, have, we'll go to his house. <laughs> yeah. Him, Sorry, Chasm. Sorry, buddy. We didn't mean to tell on you, but all right. Okay, we'll take a commercial break. We'll play I Don't Mind, and we'll be right back with Bourgeois Tag. Hi, this is Greg Hawks, and you're listening to Rundgren Radio. I don't know what that cologne is, but it's working like a charm. Makes it easy to imagine walking you on my arm, on my arm. I want to show you around the site, but not tonight. C'est un frog, et vous êtes en train d'écouter RundgrenRadio.com. The time for talking's over now, I guess it's time to let you go. But I don't, no, I don't mind at all. It's getting so you never know when things are better left alone. But I don't, no, I Don't mind at all It's important to 
goodbye to my own sanity But I don't No, I don't No, I don't mind at all All right, everybody. Very nice, very nice I've got a question about that song to both of you guys i got to tell you this first about that song. What? I love that song, but um, every time I think about it, I have to think about the YouTube video and that crazy hair outfit that Michael Urbano has on. Yeah, it kind of freaks me out <laughs> a little bit. Kind of ruins the moment. There's a lot of things we wore back then that we'd, you know, we'd, we'd take that back if if we had it to do all over again. Yeah, right. Don't Urbano. hold it, you know. That's par for the course. I, I think it's sort of funny when Urbano hits that ba- big old bass drum. <laughs> yeah, he loved that. He loved, he loved that. And everyone yeah, looking he, pensive. And... Yeah, right. <laughs> well, y'all had to get him in a video somehow, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, and Scott Moon playing that authentic cello. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, he wasn't? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, that's right, huh? Well, okay, so this song uh, was pretty much your biggest hit, and you were just forced to listen to three minutes of it or whatever. <laughs> and I wonder sometimes, you know, like Todd, if you mention Todd to somebody that doesn't know Todd, they're, the only time they light up is if you say, well, you know, the guy that wrote Hello, It's Me. Mm-hmm. Do you guys ever get tired of hearing, oh, they were the guys that did that song, I Don't Mind at All? Or do you guys even come across that? You know, that that doesn't happen all that much uh, to me, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's actually the the other – if I have to say, you know – for instance, I was on a radio show here uh, a few – a couple of weeks ago, was it, and I knew that the guys that the, the, the show – the talk show hosts were – had been um, – DJs back in the 80s, and I said, we did that song, that, the time for talking's over now, and they go, oh man, you know, that that was a great song, Cause I, and I knew I knew he was a DJ in the mid-80s, and I knew that he would have spun that song, so, you know, it kind of works the other way for me, if, if they, you know, if they need a little prompting, I'll, I'll sing a couple of bars of that, and I'll go, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know, and actually I worked I would, with my uh, wife, too, she... <laughs> but then I, oh, that's, that was you guys. Yeah, we don't need that. Here. Well, I, I think it's uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, I think a lot more people know that song than could necessarily tell you who it was that did it. Um, yeah. So you know, there are there are far more people who, if they heard that song, they go, oh yeah, I heard that song. Oh yeah. But if you said, Ooh. well, who did it? Yeah. You know, it would be the, the name would may, might be lost. Sure. You know, similar to bang on the drum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who, who? yeah. That that is, you know, yeah. with all the great songs that you know that mm-hmm. Todd has written for 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 everybody to only be familiar with "Bang on the Drum." That that is kind of it's a shame. But I mean, at least he's, uh, you know, at least they, you know, they go to a stadium and they hear "Bang on the Drum." Uh, yeah. At, during the third quarter or something. That's that's cool. Or watch Tom's commercials and hear "Hello, It's Me." Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's, uh, uh, we were never famous enough to look that gift horse in the mouth, you know. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, but when they go to the bookstore, they see you guys. Todd doesn't have it yet. There you go. <laughs> That's right. He's not there yet. Well, you guys, yeah, got to get the books there. I'm sure that'll happen eventually. Very nice. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Vegas. Well, it, it, it is a beautiful song, and I, I, I personally love it. I was listening to it in the car several times today. So thank you very much for that song. Yes, yeah, great song. Crazy man, are you ready for our new segment? No. Okay. I got. One, I, I at least have one more question for the two two guys. Not good. Okay. Uh, earlier this week, I don't know, I was surfing around on YouTube, and I typed in bourgeois tag, and a video came up that I had seen a couple times before, but I don't know, I, I listened to it once or twice and then moved on. But to, this week, I got really hooked up on the video for, it, it was it was filmed at the 1987 BAMI Awards. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh-huh. With you guys doing Tomorrow Never Knows, uh, and Todd is sort of standing over to the side playing with you guys. Yeah. Uh, tell us the story about that. Um, did you guys win an award that night, or what What was the deal? And, and We were nominated why? for a bunch of awards that, that year. That was the yo-yo year. And so, yeah, and we were asked to play. I think we won most prompt. <laughs> most prompt. Actually, it should be best dressed, because you all, got, all of you guys were all dressed up that oh, night. Oh, that's right. We did the tuxedo thing that, that night. Yeah. Never a, a, a and, and by the way, just uh, just uh, the that 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 uh, tomorrow never knows with the medley of of uh, within you without you in the middle of it is on the reunion DVD. It's kind of how we we uh, it's our first encore. So right. It's back yeah. in there. It's wonderful. Yeah. And it was so great. I I have to admit I put it up on my Facebook page. I sure did. That was yeah. That was a good one. It was it was cool to have Todd. Up there, if, and I rem- if I remember correctly, in his powder blue suit. Didn't he have a powder blue suit on there? Mm, like a leisure suit. He came to a lot of our gigs back then, and, and, and almost invariably, you know, he'd come on at the end and we'd do one of his tunes. So it was not unusual. That wasn't like a one-off thing that we just did for that. He, he, he climbed on stage and played with us. And we, did, r- we did Condomania with him. That's right, uh, condomania. And then, he came you know, out in a in a rubber suit. Uh, that's right, rubber wading suit. Uh-huh. Uh, one of his better outfits. Yeah. I'm not sure I know what suit that is. Huh. Uh, well, he he had some waders on, you know, like guys that go out in the middle of the stream and fly fish or something. Wow. That rubber waders. Chest, but you know the little. It was condomania, so condom. he came out in a rubber wading suit. <laughs> I get it. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. I think I did hear about this, but I frankly have never seen a photo of that. So people, you guys need to send some of those. <laughs> you know, actually, there is a video. I, I can't remember where I saw it, but there's a video of that <clears throat> concert. It was at the DNA Lounge, I think, in Sa- San Francisco, California, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was a good show. It was a good show. We did a uh, set, and then we played. We backed him right, and he allowed us to pick the songs, <clears throat> which was yeah. really fun. Yeah. So that is, you know, gettable. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I got I got to give a shout out to one of my Facebook friends who said that she would be listening to the show today. Her name is Quentin Ashley Enzer. So, there Quentin. Oh, yes, we know her. Well, know oh, do you? Great. Oh, we call, call her Q around here. <laughs> Q. Very cool. Yep. Q is crazy mouth uh is donating the something anything red and blue album to Michelle for the Hall of Fame. Awesome. Very good job. Thank you, yeah. Q. And Q is listening tonight, Quentin. Hello, Q. Good deal. You're on the not the same Q as in James Bond. Quentin. (laughs) I thought so. (laughs) I thought so. Mm. All right. Well, Doug, um, 
the boys have not I don't unless they were listening for the first ten minutes of the show before they called in, they don't know about our new sex. Troubles. Uh, Gentlemen, you would like what? to participate in a new segment we would like to try. Uh oh. If you're willing to talk about Lincoln being unpopular in religion, then you will definitely participate in this, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, are we going to have to like walk across water and like is this going to be humiliating? <laughs> yeah. This is Chat Pack. You ever heard of Chat Pack? Uh-uh. No. Chat Pack is the same as there's also, I think there's another one called Conversation Pieces. They're the cards you pull out and they have questions on them. So they could be about anything. Uh-huh. So we would like to ask you five questions from Chat Pack, random right draw. On. Okay. See what you say? But before that, we do have a caller we need to take to see what they have to say. How about that? Okay. Actually, that's somebody from California, so I'm going to bet that's Adrian. Okay. 916, you're with us. Hi, Doug and Mel and Larry and Brent. It's not Adrian. Oh. It's Roger. Hey, oh, Roger yeah. Lander, what's up, man? <laughs> Sorry about right that, on. I guess. You know. So I'm about, about a week ago. Roger, what's yeah. going on? Uh here you uh you might have a couple of extra guests at Todd Fest. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're hoping We have done it before. I mean, we we have partied <clears throat> before it was 1999. <laughs> yeah, Larry has been to two of our our fests. Yeah. Cool. One time we call up John house. we call up John Forensic and and I was the first one on the line and I Yeah. I asked him if I for some money he owed me when we lived when we were in the same <laughs> I asked him if he didn't know me for some calls from the same room. <laughs> Bob, you read this live recording of the DVD, right? Yeah, yeah, I saw that show, and and, and I I have the DVD, and and it's it's sitting on my shelf in a very special place, waiting to be watched. Oh, cool! But uh, uh, it was a fantastic show, and and. Uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to watching it again. Very nice. But the reason I called, I actually had a question for Larry. Okay. And I've, I've talked to Larry many times, but I never, I don't, I don't think I've actually asked him this particular question. And I wanted to know uh, the circumstances behind uh, recording "Wall Like Guitar Gently Weeps," and you know how, you know <clears throat> why Todd recruited you. And uh, what you did to prepare, <laughs> and how many takes took, or, and, and you know, just and any stories you got behind that. Uh, it was something he just sprung on me, um, and it was just me and uh, Prairie and Todd, and he, we went, we went to a, a uh, studio in San Francisco, and you know, we just kind of laid it down, and you know, just kind of, and it was just kind of a. You know, boy, I wish we could, you know, go down the night and play in a club together. It would be really cool, kind of a feeling about the whole day. But, uh, you know, we just kind of laid that sucker down. It was uh, it was a great session, uh, but there wasn't really anybody there except the engineer and the three of us. And Todd, you know, as usual, had pretty much a he had a good idea of the way he wanted it to sound. But it, but uh, you know, also uh, like Todd usually does, he just had a feeling more than. Uh, specific. If it, when you, when it comes to keyboards, and Brent will be able to testify to this, uh, he, he he has the voicings exactly. I mean, when we did the Nearly Human to, uh, album, 
Uh, he, I remember him showing that voicings just like he wanted them to the keyboard players. But for everybody else, it's kind of like, well, I kind of wanted to be blue, you know. I kind of wanted to be um, chartreuse or something. Uh, and he's there's more uh, wiggle room, and he had more of a feeling that he wanted. So we messed around with it for a while. Came up with something. I, I think that turned out pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. But yeah, I was it was it bittersweet. What's that? Yeah. I listened to it yesterday, and I was trying to uh, get in a lot of Todd Rundgren music yesterday for some reason. I'm not sure why. And I, so I'm, I'm listening to it while I'm out walking, and I'm thinking, there are so many layers of guitars on this song. It was yeah. just amazing, you know, and, and then all of the other stuff going on in there, and I think, wow, you know, I mean, he really did that song justice. Yeah, he really did. And a lot of that stuff, you know, came he he, he overdubbed later. But he was playing, singing, um, you know, at the sessions and I and I I'm, I'm sure he used the tracks they laid down that day, he just added a couple more later on, but but it was a typical Todd production, you know, it goes you go in there and you you know, there's not a whole lot of overdubbing, uh that is no you know, not a lot of fixing of anything. You just kind of get a good take on something and then he'll go go over it later on and Put on some uh, extra things he, things that he thinks he needs for you know just for color, uh, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, he did a great job on that song. He really did. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna have to go, <clears throat> Larry. You can stay as long as you want, but I I'll I do have all the go. chat. Yeah. Red, now you guys can bad. talk about me. You can just talk <laughs> about me. I'll make um, up your answers. <laughs> I do have to leave. I. I I uh, I actually managed to talk the entire practice of my daughter's soccer practice. It was perfectly timed, uh, but I do have to go now. And so uh, it's, I've enjoyed it, and I uh, and please invite me back. Hey, thanks a lot. Hey, tell your daughter we hope the Jonas Brothers trick works with the Elvis Costello autograph. Yeah, really. I think it's I think it's gonna. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having idea. me. Sure, man. Thanks. Thank you so much, Brent. It's been great. All righty. See you All later. Right, bye bye. Okay. Well, I, you know, you know. I don't know if, if Brett mentioned it earlier, but his son Adrian is playing tomorrow night in Sacramento. Oh, yeah, cool. you know, I'm going to go down there and check that out. Yeah, so he's over at uh, uh, the uh, Luigi's Fun Slice, right. uh, which is in Midtown Sacramento. And unfortunately, I can't make it tomorrow night. But I saw him the last time that he was there, and, and he did just a really nice job. And, and his, his shows are always great. He's such a talent. Yeah. So nice. it's nice to have him back in Sacramento for the summer. Yep. Yeah, it's it's an plus it's like a five minute drive from my house, so that's <clears throat> an added <laughs> incentive. That makes it easy. Yeah. Well, now yeah. wait, Larry, don't you don't you play with Adrian? Yeah, I do uh, from time to time. You know, and I did on the DVD. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, it's best if he has you know some young. I, I always thought you know, come on, Adrian, you know, get. A bunch of young guys and you know, full of spirit and can-do attitude, and go out there and take the world by storm. So I think he's doing that more. He's getting young guys that are, you know, he needs a band. He needs a band. He needs a, you know, and that and that's. Yeah, um, but you know what? He's kind of got that old soul feel to him. Yeah, well, he definitely is. You know, his his influences are right from where I'm coming from and old school and stuff. And that's you know, he had me play on his record. Uh, but as far as live goes, you know, uh, it's great to play with him, but I, I would love to see him just get a really good little unit together and be able to go out and take the world by storm with three other guys or four other guys or or girls. Yeah, he's he's 
very, very talented. I must yes, say, I loved uh, hearing the three or four songs that he does on the DVD. It's it's really good. Yep. So anyway, yeah, he said he's he's going to start recording a new CD pretty soon too. So we're yeah, looking forward to that as well. As a matter of fact, that's going to be up in your neck of the woods, Roger, because I think the studio is at Mark Harmon's, which is up in Antelope or something. Oh, Did cool. You, are you aware of that? I didn't know where he was. Yeah, I think it's going to be right up there by you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, Roger, you were one of the very, very lucky ones, I know, from the uh, Todd community, at least on the uh, TR Connection. Thank you for your site, by the way. Um, that got to see the the reunion show a year ago. Uh, what was your favorite part, Roger? Well, every act was so so good, you know. And of course, I, I'd seen Adrian a number of times before that, and he opened up the show. But all the other groups I had actually never seen before, and I'd only heard of them. And I was especially looking forward to seeing Bourgeois Tag because I love their music, and and it just even though they were in Sacramento and I was in Sacramento, it was just was something that I never got around to seeing when they were in their heyday. So I was just so excited to be able to see that, and, and they gave a great show. But Uncle Rainbow was, was a really good group, and, and Richard Oates, who the, the benefit was for, actually got up on stage for his show, a few uh, numbers, and, and that was just special for everyone, including him. I mean, it it was obvious that he liked to uh, liked to be up there on stage, and he wasn't at that time in the best of health, and he he uh, he wanted to <clears throat> get up and, and perform with the group that he you know founded, and, yep. and he did, and he was so yep. great. I really I wish I knew the technology uh, to have pulled some of the audio off of one of the songs that that Richard sang on but I was unable to do that today but you guys he's he's got a, a wonderful voice very distinctive and you should buy this this DVD yes because it will help him but just because he's he's really an incredible talent and um it was a very impressive band considering how young you guys were at the time you know I'm talking about Uncle Rainbow yeah right yeah, well, you know, young people did, you know, it was a different time. I mean, people got together when the guys in that band were even younger. Uh, you know, we got together in garages on, that's what guys did on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, we everybody was in their garage playing with other guys, you know. And now, you know, I have kids at my school that they they've played rock band, but they haven't played in a rock band. Yeah, they've played it. You know, they 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 played it on a video game, but they that's as close as they get to. And you know, back then it's like you knew, the, and that it was also good in that when when I was starting out, when there were again we're harkening back to a different era. But you know, if you knew three chords, man, you could play you could play about a, you know an hour or two's worth of material. Because a lot of chord, a lot of songs were three chords back then, and so it was kind of an easy. You know, it was an easy access, and, and it's just I'm I'm hoping that things will work around again. Uh, there'll be a, a wave of actually people picking up instruments and and playing them again, rather than uh, being glued to whatever screen they're in front of. Uh, and I'm, you know, that's it was uh, it was a good thing. And by the and so by the time we were in our 
20s or late 20s or whatever we were um you know we could play man we could we could we could play and uh, especially if you're playing six nights a week for four hours a night you know you get pretty good you get pretty darn good playing like that and, and there's not many people to do that either because the the clubs aren't really there to play so you know i i talk about it with a kind of a a, a bittersweet attitude because i really uh miss those days when you could go out any night of the week and hear four or five bands in town and I can't do that anymore. Maybe, I don't know if it's just because I'm a little more out of touch or what, but I, I haven't been able... Well, tomorrow night I'll be able to go out and hear Avery. Yeah, so I was be about to say, you know you want to, but see, you've already got plans. Yep, yep. Yep. Hey, Doug, we have another caller, huh? That's correct. Roger, right. would you like to hang out with us? Roger, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stay on if it's okay. I'll, I'll uh, sure. let the other caller talk. Absolutely, sure. 817, you're with us. Hey, Doug, Mel, Larry, Hi. Roger. Hello. This is Stephanie hey. in Texas. Hey, Stephanie in Texas. I know. I haven't called in a long time. I like feel a little year. Really bad. Huh? Like a like year. Like a year? Yeah. Well, I'm, I know. I went to Hawaii, and then I just listened oh. to y'all, and I cry because I want to go to I cry like a baby <laughs> now because Brent left. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, tell him. Uh, Reference to song. But, you know... Um, when when you guys were talking about um, how Todd plays and and you know talking about pop pop stars and how you know you can only play play pop music for so long, but you know Todd has the knack. He he has always had the knack to do that. Yep. And then again, you're talking about oh you know in your twenties and you get pretty darn good playing five or six nights a week. Todd's sixty. In place, yeah. Well, you know, and there's like, you know, you can kind of, there's like maybe a dozen of those, you know, that that are that are, you know, they're still they're still playing great, and and they're still writing, you know, they're still writing yeah. great stuff. Uh, that's really the trick. I mean, because I've seen, for instance, I went uh, one of our old light man is now working for uh, Leonard Skinner, and I went and heard Leonard Skinner, and but they they wrote those songs thirty years ago. Uh, and uh, they they aren't playing anything new. Um, no offense to any Leonard Skinner's fans out there, but uh, okay. I mean the, Todd is still writing, and 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 that's and he's still vital as an artist. And so that's he didn't write Sweet Home There's Alabama a special either. special little <laughs> niche at the top for guys like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, can, can I just throw something in there because Doug, I'm I'm really embarrassed because I'm 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 coming to the show and. I, I do not know where to stay. Wait, what show? Oh, the AWOT show in Akron? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got, oh, God, I got my tickets, and you couldn't talk to me. Nobody could talk to me. My mailbox got bombed, and even the Ooh. police couldn't talk to me. They wanted me to be on news, and I was like, oh, I got tickets to Todd Runger, and you can't talk to me. What happened to your mailbox? <laughs> Somebody bombed it. It was a, a, some bomb. A little like your mailbox bomb. physically got bombed? Bombed. Really? Yeah, you know what? You put the you hot eye. Abortion clinic or something? What's up? Exactly. <laughs> no, it's a, it's you know how um no. you know in school they teach you you know to put hot ice in a bottle and yeah yeah something well, in there and no I don't and mind I just happened to live <laughs> on a Texas corner. Thing. <laughs> huh? That's a Texas <laughs> thing, I guess. I guess so. I don't know. They teach them the wrong. We learn how to do bombs. No. no. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just telling you. They wanted me on the news, and I was like, no, I'm going to see Todd. Y'all don't get it, man. But what pissed me off is that my, my mailbox was, you know, blown up. Really? And I oh, called. Yeah. I said, I've got Todd Rundgren tickets in my mail. <laughs> And I'm I'm mad, you know. I'm really mad. I'm like, uh-uh. I, I I really want my tickets, but anyways, I got Akron them. City Akron City Center Hotel is where you need to be. Okay, oh. and that's on Saturday night too. Yep, Akron City Center. Google it. You'll be all good. All right. Okay, Google it. All right. Okay, Google. it was great to talk to you guys. Don't worry. Keep it up. All right. Thank you. And, and oh, you know what, Mel. <laughs> You and Doug make me. I mean, Todd. Todd, I love. I, I love him. But you know what? You guys bring me so close. I mean, what y'all Check do is amazing. <laughs> oh, you know what? That almost. You almost went into the line in in Jerry Maguire where you complete me. You complete me. <laughs> help me help you. I hope you get your mailbox situation straight out for real. That's not cool. Not getting mail. It's a good excuse though not to pay your bills. <laughs> All right, so. Larry. Yeah. I really want to try chat pack. Yeah, yeah he wants thing. chat pack. I, I know you're you're just I'm dying. You're, you're, you're I think champ, this game is so cool. the bit, so well, go this, ahead on. So. This is really, really similar. It's very similar to the guy on the inside the actor's studio, except these are a little better questions. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, he has uh, to yeah, fawn over me What's a lot more. <laughs> okay, so we got to start our intro song for this. We are about to do our first ever chat pack with Larry Tag. We'll be right back. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. All right, there we go. That's Ben Crosby, in case you didn't know. So we're <laughs> going to pull five random questions from Chat Pack Game. Our first one is, Mr. Tag, if a local radio station offered to let you have your own 30-minute show each weekday morning, what type of show would you have? Well, I'd have to go to my roots, as anybody would, I think, and I would play early 80s. I'd have an early 80s show. Oh, uh, yeah. Right before they start really, you know, hammering down on the, the uh, oh, you know, everything was all of a sudden programmed out of, you know, some... By by computer out of Atlanta or something. It was the days right. So you had the, you know the talking heads and the psychedelic furs and the yeah. you know I mean there was just so many kind of bands back then that and you know it was just I thought there was just a lot of great music back, oh, yeah. back then. Oh yeah, And that so that would be my show. Excellent. I would have the early '80s show. You'd be the '80s man. Yeah, I mean, but, well you know I mean '80s you know it's not a it's not a great word there's a lot of kind of real cheesy uh, synthesizer sure. music but early 80s man there was some really cool stuff Great going stuff. on back then Absolutely. so there that's what i do excellent okay and then, then their ratings would go through the roof cause... i think so too yeah. aside from any family friends or pets what would be the most difficult thing for you to give up in your life Ooh. um you know what it would have to be uh, you know what? I'm blessed in having a number. Uh, one of them would be uh, my contact with my kids at school every day. I love uh, the, the kids I teach, and I would hate to have to give up my kids. Uh, that and my writing. Mm. So, because uh, I'm, boy, put me 
with my cup of coffee in the morning and my laptop in front of me, and that's that's a great feeling. So between those two things, those are two things I'd hate to give up. Kids, very good. All right, number three. Most people have a favorite story or experience that they love to share with other people. Here's your chance. What's your story? Oh no. Uh, you know, I'm, I used to have I used to have a I, on one of my old uh, message machine things. I used to say, uh, "Give me your name and your number, and tell me the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to you." You know, I'll call you back. <laughs> And it was supposed to be a goof, but people actually did tell me the most embarrassing. And it was, you know, it's like, no, I don't really want to hear it. <laughs> so I'm not sure you want to hear the most embarrassing thing that happened to me either. Uh, so uh, Maybe. I think I'll beg off on that one. Because <laughs> I've got some really embarrassing stuff. I mean, I, yeah. you know, i got more embarrassing stuff than most people. So Wait a minute. Do we have to have you on the show again? I and start with <laughs> Get it out of him, Crazy Mouth. That's what we're going to have to start with next time you're on the show. With yeah. the most embarrassing thing. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know, I, here we go. This is perfect. This is perfect. Uh, I have a most embarrassing moment on stage, and it was with Todd. Is it that one that's on YouTube? Yes, it is. <laughs> we were going to do, uh, he, you know, uh, obviously very uh, improv- improvising kind of a set at the end. He thought, ah, let's do the wheel. And the wheel is not something I was familiar with. And in, I don't think that thing is in four four, <laughs> because and, and 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 he turned around. I remember he turned around. I said, "Hey, Todd, I don't know that one, man." Mm-hmm. Um, he turned around and 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 you know, and it it took about a minute for him to like show me the baseline. And if you a minute on stage is like three hours, you know, it's like a long time to be sitting in front with with the lead band leader turned around with his back to the audience, showing you how to play a part. And I, you know, it was still like what? It's it's like what? And I we started on the song. I didn't know where I was at the beginning of the song, and I turned around to Prairie. And I said, "Where's one?" Which is like musicalese for where to? Where's the first uh, beat of the measure? And Prairie whispered back to me, "I don't know." <laughs> And so, you know, and, and even the people down in the front row, and the, the guys that were always, you know, they come down, they stand down in the front row, and they knew it better. <laughs> they knew the song. I didn't know. They knew the bass part. I didn't know the bass part. And they were trying to tell, it's no, no, no. <laughs> Everybody down in front was going, no, you know, it was like, oh, no, please. Because uh, they knew I was goofing up, and I was like, and, and Todd went through the whole darn song with me back there folding on the bass, and wouldn't you know that it's on YouTube, <laughs> and, 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 and you know the comments down below, really, and this is hilarious, the, I think the first comment down below the, the video is, man, if I were that bass player, I would go home and give it up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but... Your defense, there's a bunch, there's several comments. There were a couple of guys that gave me the good defense, and believe me, I was like, thank you, Lord, thank you that those guys were sticking up for me. Well, and there's several that are like, hey, man, that's my teacher. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, I'll have to check it out again, because I don't think I saw that last time I looked at it. (laughs) Don't be saying bad things about my teacher, man. It's, it's almost like talking about somebody's mother. Yeah. Well, if you're doing it right, it is. <laughs> All right, a few more questions, three minutes. Okay. If you were a professional artist, what would be the theme of your drawings or paintings? Boo. 
tough. The theme of my drawings or paintings. Um, wow. How about love in an unloving world? Uh, there's got to be a certain amount of conflict in there to make there anything in, uh, in, interesting, but finding uh, love in an unloving world is probably what I'd have to make my paintings about. Next question. Isn't that, that eHarmony.com? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's and true. I like I long that. walks on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very yeah. intelligent. <laughs> okay. Last but not least, this is this one is this could be a whole other show. What is the greatest lesson in life you have ever learned? Mm. Man, you guys, it's a little. I thought this was supposed to be supposed to be chat. Chat pack. Is that, that 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 to me doesn't sound like chat. chat uh, the, one more time. What's the question? <laughs> what is the greatest lesson in life you've ever learned? God, the greatest lesson. Uh, lower your expectations. There you go. Next. That was easy. That's it. Yeah. You have completed the chat pack. Right on. Uh, I, yeah, you know, I, those are words to live by, everybody. Everybody within the sound of my voice. Uh, but, yeah. you know, oh, you were gonna, you know, I thought maybe you were going to say, oh, look both ways before crossing the street. <laughs> well, see, you know, if you'd been no. taking it, Mel, you would have done a lot better than I would. I thought, I thought he was going to say, don't believe everything you read about Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> the quick-witted. Well, all right, very good. Well, that's it. we got a, hey, we got a few seconds left. and We really appreciate you being on, especially with uh, having the, the duo on. It was a lot of fun. Good stuff. Yes. Great. And next hey, time thanks you guys a lot, have, you all. Next time yes, you guys you. have lunch together, um, I don't know, have an extra dessert on me. Will do. <laughs> Will do. It's been great, y'all. Y'all are the best, man. Thanks a lot for the for uh, for the call, and uh, I will see you soon. I hope. All right, have fun, Adrian. Show. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. I'll get up. Bye bye. All right. Thanks. Babe. All right, everybody. That's bourgeois tag. You got to hear it, Rock and Radio. We'll be back next week, Tuesday night, same bat time, same bat channel. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait. They got to buy their uh, their DVD of the reunion concert at brentbourgeois.com. Brentbourgeois.com. If you don't know how to spell it, shoot me an email at rungunradio at earthlink.net. AWATCH Live, September the 6th and 7th, has been announced. We'll talk to you later, people. See you next week. Peace out. Hi, everybody. This is Todd Rungren, and you're listening to rungunradio.com. You are the crown of the crown, my friend. Thank you so much for your support. We love you, This is Eric Gardner. You're listening to RundgrenRadio.com. Appreciate Michelle Rundgren being on. She's going to hang with us, I think. On Rundgren Radio, and, uh, Radio, Radio. Yeah, we've deteriorated here to, like, talk about choppers. Hey, that's good. Huh? EJ, let <laughs> me think something. Hey, Michelle, how about a real quick, um, you're listening to RundgrenRadio.com. This is Michelle Rundgren or something like that. Don't listen to Rundgren Radio. It's really <laughs> good for your health. <laughs>
Okay, wait, I gotta do it again. Don't listen to Rangan Radio. Doug can corrupt your life.